Wake up, West Georgia. It's time for the podcast powered by coffee and Mountain Dew. The Morning Five with Bryce Sparling and Billy Lindahl. Good morning, West Georgia. Welcome in to the Morning Five podcast. Today is Thursday, November 3rd. And today's podcast is brought to you by the Parian Lawyers. Nobody wakes up thinking, man, I hope I hire a lawyer today. But hey, life happens. Don't call one of those big law firms with overused slogans and thousands of billboards. We have a top-notch law firm right here in West Georgia. The Parian Lawyers with offices in Carrollton and Bremen. Personal injury, workman's comp, and everything in between. Find them at callcadenow.com. That's C-A-L-L-C-A-D-E. N-O-W.com. Local lawyers, catchy slogans, a few billboards, big results. Billy is out today, so you just got me. Today is National Sandwich Day. That's probably my favorite thing to eat for lunch. I usually eat a sandwich for lunch at least five times a week. That's like the easiest, best lunch I have. Sandwich, chips, maybe a little bologna, some cheese, mayonnaise mustard throw a little bit on there but national sandwich day you can't turn on turn down a good sandwich i mean and even if you don't want to eat lunch meat sandwiches you've got peanut butter sandwiches uh peanut butter and jelly put a little jelly on there i'm not a big fan of jelly i'm more of a fan of uh, just peanut butter straight peanut butter sandwiches but that's an undefeated lunch right there sandwich bag of chips and maybe a maybe a water or whatever you want to drink but that's an undefeated sandwich or an undefeated lunch right there it's also International Stout Day. Now, stout is my favorite beer to drink. That is the best beer to drink, especially in the winter. Seems like it warms you up. I can't drink it in the summer when it's like 90 degrees and you're at the pool and you're just chilling or whatever. But uh, but during the winter when it's like 30 degrees outside, you got to have a stout. It's, that's the best beer there is out there in the winter. Like You, you got to have something that's going to warm you up. Uh, the Hawks last night took care of business versus the Knicks, 112 to 99. DeJounte Murray had 36 points, 9 assists, 4 rebounds, and 5 steals. Trey had 17 points and 7 assists, left with a left eye contusion. Uh, but he did come back in the game later on in the fourth quarter, and he was cleared to play. You could tell his eye was closed a little bit, and it was sort of throwing him off. But um, hopefully he heals up, because he did come back in the game later on in the fourth. Didn't really shoot it much, mostly passed around and facilitated. Uh Hopefully that's not an injury that's going to keep him out for, for very long, if at all. Uh, DeJount, uh, um, DeAndre Hunter had 21 points last night. Looked really good. The only thing that concerned me last night was the bench play once again. Only had 18 points in 82 minutes. We got to find some points somewhere on the bench. I don't know where it is, but we have to find someone on the bench that can facilitate a bit more scoring. Uh, you have Okongwu coming off the bench. At some point, you're going to have uh, Bogey coming off the bench probably. So that'll be a nice little jolt in the arm that you're going to get. But, I mean, Aaron Holiday was the high man on the bench with eight points, and he played 24 minutes. It's not not great. That's not great. You need more scoring out of your bench, especially if you want to be a deep-run playoff team. Uh, and the Hawks were down big in this game. The Hawks were down really, really big, and they had one of the best second halves I think I have ever seen the Atlanta Hawks have in my entire life. I mean, they held the Knicks to 10 points in the third quarter 10 points in the entire second half they held the Knicks to 34 points the defense in the second half absolutely got amped up and the Hawks had a 37 point swing in favor of the Hawks and it took just 1.5 quarters 
a 37-point swing. That does not happen in the NBA. This is one of the most historic, biggest comebacks I've ever seen from a Hawks team. And it was solely based on DeJounte Murray's perimeter defense. You remember earlier in the season, a couple weeks ago, I said we're going to win a couple games because of DeJounte Murray's defense. This game of the Knicks, it wasn't all because of DeJounte Murray's defense because his offense was also spectacular. But 90% of the reason we won last night and had that big comeback was because of DeJounte Murray's defense. His perimeter defense was absurd last night. He now leads the league in total steals with 20 and is second in the league in steals per game with 2.5. He had five steals last night. He had 36 points, nine assists, four rebounds, and five steals. And he affected every single ball that came down the court for the Knicks in the second half. It was beautiful to see. Atlanta overcame a 23-point deficit in tonight's 112-99 win. Uh, It's the first time since January 25th, 2013, the Hawks have overcome a 20-plus point deficit to win by 10 or more points. So that moves the Hawks to 5-3. and three. They have a winning road trip uh, with that win, and they will take on the New Orleans Pelicans at home on, what's today? Saturday at 7.30. They take on the New Orleans Pelicans at home. Uh, next, we get the Braves Gold Glove slash Silver Slugger Awards. Uh, the Braves Gold Glove winners are Max Freed for the pitcher's third career selection and his third consecutive win. And at shortstop, we have Dansby Swanson with his first ever career selection. Uh, so Braves, go ahead and sign Dansby Swanson now to a contract extension, please. I don't know when you can do that. I don't think you can do that right now. Maybe you can. I'm not sure. Um, but that, that needs to be number one priority. We can't let what happened to Freddie Freeman last year happen to Dansby Swanson this year. He's the longest tenured Brave. And I would assume he is the captain in the locker room. I mean, he's been there forever. He is Atlanta. He is Georgia. He is the Braves. Got to lock him up, man. Got to lock him up for long term. The Silver Slugger finalists for the Braves, they haven't announced the winners yet, but the finalists right now are Matt Olin, or Matt Olin, Matt Olson, Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson, Michael Harris, and Travis Darnot. I would think Olson and Riley have a really good chance at winning it. Um, Swanson probably too. It'd be cool to see Michael Harris win it. I don't, I don't know if he is, but it'd be neat to see him win it. Uh, but that's a lot of silver sluggers right there, gold glovers. It unfortunately doesn't mean much because we didn't win the ultimate goal of winning the World Series, so that's a bit of a letdown. But it's nice to have those postseason accolades, uh, especially for the players. Like you can put that on your resume, and you know, for Dansby, if Dansby wins a gold glove and a silver slugger. Like, you know, that might be worth another two or three million dollars a year. You put that on your, you know, resume and uh, teams like to see that. I just hope we resign. I hope we resign Dansby. Just, you know, when we made that Matt Olson trade last year for Freddie, I hated seeing Freddie go. But numbers wise, production wise, we weren't losing much because Matt Olson is going to be just as good as Freddie Freeman. And we're going to have Matt Olson for a lot longer than Freddie Freeman's going to be in his prime. With Dansby Swanson, I don't know who that is that takes over at second base. Von, Von Grissom, maybe I don't, I don't, or a short, I don't know. Is it Von Grissom? I, I, I don't know. I don't have that answer. I hope it's Dansby Swanson. I hope we sign him. Uh, early on in the season, I picked all the division winners in the Professional American Football League, and I figured it would be a good time as any to go back and review who I picked and see how they are doing so far in the season. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little over 50%, I would say. I'm a little over 50%. I'm not perfect, 
but I'm still in the running. So uh, we're going to start at the top, the AFC East. I have the Bills, and the Bills are the number one team in the AFC East. They're the number one team in the AFC, and they are the number one team in the professional American Football League. So I hit that one on the head right now. Still still a long season left, but I'd be shocked if the Bills didn't win the East. In the AFC North, I had the Ravens. Right now, the Ravens do have a one-game lead over the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Ravens, honestly, if you just watch them, they look like a better team than the Bengals right now. So I feel pretty confident about the Bengals in the AFC North. A team that I do not feel confident about at all that is two games back. Still has a shot at the division, but it's a long shot, and I'd be shocked if they got it. The Indianapolis Colts. Man, that team before the season had so much promise. I thought with that offensive line, with the defense, with the running game, and the fact that they added Matt Ryan into the mix, I thought that was a team, honestly, that was going to compete for an AFC championship. And now they can't even seem to string together consecutive wins. I mean, they have three wins in the year. They're three, four, and one. Uh, I believe they're a game and a half behind Tennessee. Tennessee looks head and shoulders better than they do right now. Once again, Mike Vrabel is just sort of dominating that AFC South division. And I have... I have zero hope right now, honestly. The Colts are going to pull this one out and win this division. So that's uh, that's sort of where the AFC South sits. I don't like what they're doing. They just benched Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger. They are not trending in the right direction. Just traded Naheem Hines. They are they they seem to be in a position right now where if they lose the next one or two games, they're going straight tank mode and looking towards the draft. In the AFC West, I had the Broncos, and the Broncos right now are three games back of the division leading Kansas City Chiefs. I was really skeptical on what the Chiefs offense was going to look like without Tyreek Hill, uh, but they have shown that they are just as good now as they always were. I believe they are the highest scoring offense in the NFL even without Tyreek Hill. Um, yes, they are the highest scoring offense in the NFL by 20 points. No one is even within 20 points of the Chiefs right now. So. Swinging a miss on the Broncos pick, Mr. Unlimited. Mr. Let's Ride out there, Russell Wilson. Uh, he's terrible. He is absolutely washed, and there's no surprise why the Seattle Seahawks were fine trading him to the Broncos. He's terrible. That defense is one of the best defenses in the NFL, but the offense is awful. Um, and there's no way there's no way in hell the Broncos are winning that division. The only team in the AFC East right now that I picked that's not leading the division that I would sort of feel comfortable saying they could possibly win their division is the Colts. There's no way the Broncos come back and win that division. Not with the Chargers and the Chiefs in there. There's there's zero chance. Moving on to the NFC. In the NFC East, I picked the Cowboys, my Dallas Cowboys, to win. They are two games back in the loss column right now with the Philadelphia Eagles. I still believe that the Cowboys can win that division, but man, the Eagles are good. The Eagles are absolutely fantastic. Uh, I probably should have picked the Eagles to win. I picked the Eagles to win in our preseason preview of the NFC East, and I probably should have stuck with that in my betting uh, because they look like the best team in the NFC right now. So the Cowboys will get their chance. They'll have a, uh, I believe the Cowboys have the second best points differential in the NFC behind the Eagles. Uh, so they're right there. They're right there at one and two. Cowboys six and two. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles seven and zero. So I don't have that one. But I feel confident that the Cowboys still have a shot. What I don't feel confident in is the NFC North. I picked the Packers to win it. And right now, the 3-5 and five Packers trail the 6-1 and one Minnesota Vikings. 
there is no way in hell the Packers win this division. The Packers have about as good of odds to win this division right now as the Broncos do to win their division. The Packers are dead. There's nothing going on up there offensively or defensively. Aaron Rodgers has no weapons, and there's nothing that changed on the trade deadline. They were trying to get Chase Claypool from the Steelers, but the Steelers, uh, they did not like the draft package that the Packers put together. So that is... um, that's it. The Packers are dead. That is, the Packers and the Broncos are my two really, really bad picks before the season. In the NFC South, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are right now are in second place to the league leading, or the NFC South leading, 4-4 four and four Atlanta Falcons. I am not ready to completely write off the Bucks in the NFC South just because of how bad this division is. There's nobody good. There's literally nobody good in this division. Uh, the Bucks have the most seniority, and they have the GOAT at quarterback. So I feel about as good with the Bucks pick as I do the Cowboys pick. They're not leading right now, but it's not like I feel like they're down and out like I do the Packers and the Broncos pick. Uh, the Bucks still have a chance to win this division, only eight games into it. I mean, they've played terrible so far, but it, you know they can, they can come back and starch, starch this division. Uh, because it's so terrible. So they're not leading right now, but I still have faith in them. And then in the NFC West, I picked the 49ers to win it, and they are not leading right now. But after the acquisition of Christian McCaffrey, this is one of the ones that I would put up with their, up there with the Bills and the Ravens in my confidence meter, that the 49ers are going to sweep the rest of the year and absolutely run away with this division. The Rams have a bunch of problems. The Cardinals can't seem to stop their inner fighting between Cliff Kingsbury and uh, uh, Kyler Murray. The Seahawks, I think they're a good story, but you're not going to win a division with Geno Smith as quarterback, despite as good as he's playing right now. And the 49ers right now have a plus 29 run or, uh, points differential, which is the best in the NFC East. So the 49ers pick in the NFC East, I am super comfortable with right now. I put them right up there with my Bills and Ravens pick. So a couple locks, a couple of coin flips, and two picks that were just absolutely horrendous from the preseason PAFL division winner parlay, which uh, will probably not hit because the Broncos and the Packers absolutely suck. Let's get to the Marine South scoreboard from last night in the MLB, the World Series. The Astros beat the Phillies 5 to nothing. The series is tied now 2 in the Stumpet Games and Events calendar tonight, Harrelson County travels to Fannin County on Friday Night Lights on a Thursday. Uh, Harrelson County has to win tonight to get into the playoffs. If they win, they are in. If they lose, they are out. It is as simple as that. Let's get to another cup of coffee brought to you by realtor Hannah Strong of Robert Goolsby Real Estate Group. Christian Javier and the bullpen combined on a no-hitter as the Astros tie the series i watched absolutely zero pitches of this game we've kind of said it before like if your team is not in the world series i'm not a big enough baseball fan to watch just random teams in the world series play i don't care that much it's, i i can't do that there's too much else on that's interesting for me to sit there and watch a random world series game i can't do that uh Kyrie irving said i take responsibility for posts impact on the jewish community well yeah who else should have taken responsibility for it? You made the comments. You made the post. Nobody else should have taken responsibility for that. And the thing that I find interesting about this situation right here is LeBron, and, and everybody knows that I am a LeBron fan. I am a LeBron, you know, 
not apologist, but I, I, I bump up LeBron. I'm a big fan of what LeBron does on the basketball court and off the basketball court. It's funny how LeBron is one of the first people in the NBA to come out and speak about, you know, whatever the hot topic is of the day on, you know, if it's a senator, a politician, a country, uh, an owner, whatever it is. LeBron's one of the first people to give his opinion on the subject. He has been completely mum about this entire Kyrie Irving situation. Despite it being absolutely despicable, LeBron hasn't said a single thing about this Kyrie Irving situation. The only reason is, is because A, him and Kyrie, I assume, are still buddies, and B, there's still a chance that him and Kyrie play together. This this is one of those situations that if it was anybody other than Kyrie, if it was Trey Young, LeBron, you, you better bet LeBron James would come out and have an opinion on what happened here. If it was anybody other than one of his buddies or somebody that he could potentially play with again, he would come out and have his strong opinion like he does on every single issue that pops up. And I'm all for, you know, sports stars having their opinion on the issues that pop up. Hey, voice them. Use your platform, man. If you want to voice your opinion, absolutely do it. But, you know, it, it's kind of weird when he picks and chooses about what he wants to to get his voice behind. He hadn't said a thing about Kyrie Irving, but he'll say something about watch. In a couple weeks, something will happen with a with an owner, with a with a player, with a coach or something, and LeBron will be the first person to speak out against it. But he's not going to speak out against his buddy Kyrie. The U.S. Attorney's Office is investigating the commanders over alleged financial improprieties. I wonder if this is a big reason why uh, Mr. Poop, you know, Mr. Dan Schneider, is trying to sell the team. I mean, maybe if he sells a minority stake in it, they can get those poop pipe fixed and they can stop the poop that's leaking on their fans in the stadium. That'd be great. I asked Billy this the other day, do you think he sells a minority part in the team or do you think he sells the entirety of the Washington Commanders? My bet is on a minority share. And I think what Dan Schneider is going to try to do is he's going to try to take a 5% stake in the team and sell it to either a minority owner or a female owner or something like that and try to save face a little bit in the public uh, with bringing in somebody like that. I don't think it's going to work because that guy is a world-class jerk, uh, and he doesn't invest any of his money into his team. But I think that's going to be his plan right now, is, is Dan Snyder is going to try to sell like 5 to 10% stake in the, in the team, bring in either a female or a minority or a minority female figure to, to you know purchase the, the team, that 5%, that 10%. To make Dan Schneider not look like a complete ass, which is tough to do. Luka Doncic last night is the first basketball player since Wilt Chamberlain with seven 30-point games to open the season. Luka Doncic is an absolute freak, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he won the MVP this year. Gonzaga is in talks with the Big 12 about joining the conference. Yes, please. Yes, please. This has been Gonzaga's downfall forever. Ever since Gonzaga got big and was able to recruit with the big boys their downfall is they play in a weak weak insanely weak conference so they they blow through their conference schedule and their conf in their region uh tournament and then once they get to the big dance they're not tested in some of these bigger sec big 12 pac 10 big 10 teams these big physical teams we saw it with chet holmgren last year chet holmgren blew through whatever that you know fake clown division is that Gonzaga plays in. He blew through it, and then when he got to beating and banging 
with the bigger boys in the NCAA tournament, he couldn't hold his water. He couldn't play with them. He just wasn't big enough. He wasn't strong enough. And that's that. This is what Gonzaga needs to do if they want to go on and win multiple national championships. They have to get into a bigger conference and test themselves. And today in 1993, Greg Maddox becomes the first pitcher since Sandy Koufax to win the National League Cy Young Award in consecutive seasons uh, and is the first to do it in successive seasons with different teams. So he won it in 1992 and 1993, and he did it in 92 with the Cubs, and he did it in 1993 with the Braves. One of the all-time greats. One of the all-time greats, Greg Maddox. That is all we have today for TM5. We'll be back at you tomorrow morning with a Football Friday version of TM5 and preview all of the matchups coming tomorrow night, last season of the regular season for high school football. So we'll see you tomorrow, same time same place shake your neighbors just shake them shake your neighbors